You are now listening to the Interview Art Podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. And today I'm speaking with Max Harper and Amadeo Mapelli. Amadeo, did I just pronounce your last name properly, by the way? You you pronounced it perfectly, actually. And it's, it's amazing. Most people don't get it right the first time. So, yep, it's that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the show, guys. You guys are the uh, CTO and CEO of, <clears throat> excuse me, Symmetry. Um, and I'm so excited to have you guys on the show for the first time. This is going to be a really fun conversation. And first off, let's get this. Uh, let's let's start with the basic questions with this with the with the easy stuff. Like, what is what is symmetry? What's what's going on at symmetry? Yeah, so symmetry is a um, is a, a, a application to build VR uh, and you know 3D experiences designed really for artists. Um, light hackers, uh, designers, um, VJs, you know, interactive artists, and for people that, um, you know, want to get their hands in the uh, kind of the sand of the sandbox of VR. So we kind of have a sandbox interactive um, design first approach. And, um, yeah, we are uh, recently recently released on Steam, and uh, we've got a number of users and are about to go into a... uh, a really awesome 30-day campaign uh, pretty soon here, um, starting next week. Yes, exactly. And I just want to make sure that I'm 100% transparent with the audience. Um, I, uh, Chris Miranda and uh, Amadeo and Har- Max, we were, were uh, working together um, on helping Symmetry grow community. And I'm really excited to be helping you guys out. I am in love with VR creation. And the thing that you guys are putting together um, is so exciting to me um, and to be a part of that I, uh, you know, it'd be weird. Like, that's the thing. Like, it would be weird if I had a podcast about virtual reality and I didn't have, like, you guys on board <laughs> to come talk about it. <laughs> so so I'm so glad we're here, uh, you know, discussing the platform and the future of it and, you know, just getting to the nitty gritty of, of, as to why it's exciting um, and so, yeah, Amadeo, did you have anything else to add about, uh, about what symmetry is? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the main thing is sandbox, sandbox first. So it's really about experimentation and iteration. It's really, you know, we really want to focus on things should just work and little, all the tools should just kind of delight you when you use them. That's really the spirit of the application. And, um, we're always iterating to try to converge on that idea of, hey, I'm in a space and let's see what happens if I just try this or what if I connect this with this? Um, We really want it to be as gratifying as possible so that things just kind of work as you expect them to. And then from there, you kind of experiment and play as you go. Because I think most great art is created for experimentation. You know, you're, you're starting with maybe a rough idea in your head you play a little bit with the tool and then you got to, Hey, that's, that's cool. What I just did. Let me see what I can do with that. Let me develop that idea and zoom in on that. And it's through that process, I think is where a lot of great ideas develop and and come from. And we really want to build a product that kind of, you know, really supports that idea. And and that's the spirit of what symmetry is all about. What was the initial um, point of inspiration to, to work on symmetry in the first place? Like where did that come from? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to play a lot of first-person shooters, and I love their. Um, they a lot of times, like Doom would have people would make these CAD programs for to make levels for Doom, and I used to sit there and build these levels. And uh, but I was kind of 
I was limited by the fact that you had to build it in this context of a first-person shooter, but I didn't necessarily want to create things where you'd run around a space. Maybe I wanted to create an experience that was, you know, three, uh, third person or, you know, you're coming from a different, you know, you're presenting it to the user in a directed way or there's so many other things besides putting you in a space and running around. And that's really kind of where some of the in- initial inspiration came from. In addition, I also loved music visualizations. Uh, I used to love these kind of those original music visualizations that came out for like Winamp and these kind of things back in the day. And I loved the idea of th- being able to potentially direct them. And so kind of fusing those two ideas, I want to be able to create. A, so it started off really as a music visualizer creation tool um, where you could direct your own experiences. And little bit by little bit, it kind of developed into this like more of a platform, a game kind of creation-like platform. But the the ultimate DNA of it is really kind of is building out kind of your your world, your your vision, and directing it and and producing it, and and that's really kind of where where it started. Wow! And when when how did VR like sort of happen? Like when did when did VR click into? Um... Yeah. So the DK one, uh, I was I had messed around a little bit of the DK one, and then I finally committed and added um, VR support when the DK two when I first when I got my DK two in the mail. Basically, within that same weekend, I added I had implemented their API into Symmetry and and had that up and running. Um, and so it was back in 2014, end of 2014, early 15, I, I believe, is when I, I finally added support for that. So it's been a while, um, and it was so gratifying because. When you first do it, it's like, oh, wow, there's this whole different kind of way of viewing the world, of experiencing this like virtual world. And it was just neat to be able to kind of iterate with symmetry and like play with different ideas and just immediately have that kind of instant gratification of, of seeing it do stuff in VR. Um, it was quite it was quite interesting at the time, and, and it's only evolved over that. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's been exciting. I, I think VR in general has just been this kind of really nifty, kind of very different way of, of experiencing virtual virtual space and 3D space. And it's been fun to kind of see what works and what doesn't. Awesome. Yeah. Max, let me go back to you and ask you, um, what got you um, thinking about VR and what got you uh, working on Symmetry in the first place? Yeah, I, I um, in undergrad uh i actually i mean i you know ever since like a child i've always been very kind of three-dimensionally you know i've always been really interested in in art and three-dimensional design and and a lot of mixed media um and uh and when i uh let's see about 2015 my now fiance uh she started a program up at uh, mit and um we moved up to boston i started uh um I uh, sold the business I was uh, working on at that point and was in a moment of reinvention, was like really excited about the possibilities of new three-dimensional visualization tools. I started auditing some classes at the MIT Media Lab and getting into some projects and quickly realized that the next thing I wanted to do was going to be in VR, AR, MR, um, and was really interested in... uh, you know, the tools that would make that possible. I, I tried and started uh, tinkering around with, with Unity um, and uh, got a little ways, uh, but I felt like there was something missing that, um, you know, that I was craving. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that um, we'll be talking about today. Um, but um, I, I won a hackathon at MIT, the MIT Hacking Arts uh, Hackathon in 2016 using Unity um, to make like an, an experiment, an ex, little kind of a, just an experimentation, like many of these different experiments I've had 
uh, with three dimensions. It was a three-dimensional pitch shifter that would that was called Harmony Space, and it used the HoloLens to uh, to map three-dimensional, you know, the, um, uh, three different notes and make a chord in in three-dimensional space. Um, and even you know, having won that, you know, I, I just wasn't satisfied, and uh, it was actually right then or, or a nearby hackathon where I met Amadeo, and people pointed me at him and they said, "Dude, this dude's been working on a tool for like." you know, five, ten years that's phenomenal. And and so I started interacting with Amadeo and uh he started showing me what, what symmetry was doing and I and I suddenly fell in love with the tool. It was kind of the dream tool I'd been I'd been looking for and um you know really had been looking for kind of a sandbox where I could conduct, you know, one sort of VR physics, mathematics, uh you know, uh, art, sound, music, um, experiment, you know, in a day, you know, could like just sit down and kind of noodle over what if I connected, you know, the pitch of this object to the, to my position in the world. And if I just fly over here, then the pitch goes up. Or what if I changed, you know, the beat, the rhythm of this music to, um, you know, the color of these objects or, uh, the pitch to the color, the position to the whatever. And, you know, that kind of experimentation or the time of day or whatever. So, um, I found this, just totally fell in love with the sandbox and, um, yeah, knew that, uh, this was c- the kind of tool that if I could, if I, I enjoyed it this much, you know, I, I probably should be able to, to bring this joy, um, and experimentation to, yeah, to the rest of the world. Um, yeah, well, let's go in a more philosophical direction. This question is for either which, whichever one wants to answer it first. Uh, I, I'm wondering if, um, you know, do you think, VR will be important to society, and to what extent do you see that that importance carrying through? I think that, I, yeah, and I, I certainly think that you know both VR. You can get a specific answer with VR, but if you sort of extend it to XR, um, you can probably capture a lot of the the philosophical domain here. But I think I think that. Um, you know, one of the things that drove me in, in, into VR um, or that, like, in, continually entices me is that is kind of multidimensional thinking um, and, you know, how painful it was to go through science class um, and math class in middle school and high school and watch the teacher draw, you know, an X and a Y coordinate and then tell you about some magical invisible coordinate and stick their thumb kind of against the chalkboard or whatever, or the whiteboard and say, imagine it coming out here, or imagine these molecules, or imagine this, imagine that. And it was a lot of, you know, imagining the planets, imagining how the tides work, all this three-dimensional, this three-dimensional world, um, and or multi-dimensional world around us, uh, inside of us, part of us, that, um, that we just don't have an intuition around, and we don't get to kind of touch it and know it. And so, I picture that the children of tomorrow will have grown up playing dodgeball with electrons, um, will have gone through the kind of mind experiments that, that Einstein did in his own head. But um, if Einstein did them in his head and we can build those tools for children to use, you know, today or very soon, what will their minds be like? That gets me really excited. Um, 
And then uh, if we want to open the philosophy, continue down that route, there's also then the scarier route, which is, you know, people acclimating themselves too much of a virtual reality environment and potentially becoming desensitized. So those are other things that we, we have to be, I think, mindful of. And I think it's certainly in the back of my mind as well. Um, I think I totally agree with Max. There's like this whole educational side of things, which is fantastic. But then there's this also kind of potentially scary side on the other end um, regarding desensitization, desensitization and it's something to be aware of, I think, and it's something that certainly I uh, try to be mindful of um, yeah, in terms you, of thinking about this space. How do you prevent that then? Like, if we if we know that this is very, yeah. it seems very likely, or it's the fact that it's in our minds this early in the game, <clears throat> like it seems like we're headed partly in that direction. Like, it's going to be yep. we're going to have a spectrum of consequences, and and that particular set of consequences will be on the spectrum and i wonder like well how do we you know yeah. if we can't prevent it then how do we alleviate it are, are we gonna yeah. have like um vr addiction camps or something like <laughs> yeah it's it's such a tricky problem because the more you have guards put in place like this look at facebook you know they in order to control their entire social media they have a lot of like systems in place but unfortunately that means that they are also kind of these guardians of that information which means they c- control kind of the in and out of that which can kind of dis it's an imbalance of kind of the world and i mean it's an imbalance of people's opinions it's not necessarily a good average of everybody's opinions so the more you control the more you start to get these like very distinct kind of tributaries of 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 information um versus the like the internet and its original ideas were just kind of open to everybody and that means both the good and the bad and you know you're hoping that vr in the same sense the more we kind of leave it open yes there's going to be a lot of bad there but hopefully, you know, the good kind of outweighs that and, and people kind of start to zoom in on parts that are better. And, and we start to develop kind of ways of teaching people how to kind of tell the difference between what's a good experience, what shouldn't you, you know, submit yourself to, because doing so will affect your your kind of your personality, you know, who you are over a long range of time. You know, I, I think it comes down to just it, it, like everything, uh, education, uh, making sure that people don't put themselves in a position where they're experiencing things that potentially could affect them negatively. Um, and so I, it's, it's a tricky problem. I, I don't know if we can completely prevent it, um, but I think the more we try to control it, uh, just the more it doesn't reflect humanity. And it's, it's almost better just to kind of let systems develop around you know, teaching people what, what they should be experiencing and why they should be choosing those experiences over others. Um, it, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky problem. I don't think there's a good answer. Yeah. I think in one way, you know, I think of a couple of things. One is it really does technology really depends on whose hands it's in and who has power. Um, and to me, that kind of means, you know, uh, empowering people with the types of intentions I'd like to empower and empowering more people generally, because I, I do believe that, that you know the tools just like video for example i i love youtube i love seeing all the like quirky nuanced parts of humanity like just people generating tutorials on the oddest simplest most specific things in the world i love seeing that that has happened and you know i was compelled to to do video professionally for a lot of those reasons back in like 2004 2005 i saw kind of this coming moment of of democratization of video and and I and I and up until that point I felt like film and the power of video had really only been in the hands of like pretty um you know high you know like 
advertisers, you know, corporations like um, the boardrooms of Hollywood and that, you know, the little guy, uh, small H humanity really didn't have the power of those those video tools. Fast forward to today and, you know, we've got that nuanced YouTube where world where I can learn how to do really unique dances from all over the world or something. Um, and I do think that VR will have a similar effect, but I do think that we have to, and I call it like the slingshot principle, which is like, I think of the sling, if the slingshot is, is sitting on the plane, the boundary between the virtual world and the natural world, that if we pull a somebody into the virtual world, I want there to be an elastic band that like propels them back into the natural world, that people get experiences that compel them to do things with nature and humanity at a deeper level because they saw some insight from a virtual or augmented experience, um, but they don't stay persistently in the virtual experience. Um, how to do that is is a longer answer, I think, but at least as a guiding kind of principle or design principle, I think I try to keep that in mind. Um, and And I think some of that is just seeing an insight. Um, maybe seeing something, you know, I think it's kind of like even like, um, like discovery channel things where you learn a little bit and now your appreciation for like, you learn about like why leaves change colors and all of a sudden you have kind of a new relationship with autumn, you know? Um, so that's the kind of stuff I, I, I look at. Hmm. I have I have something I um that Amadeo said that uh, I want to bring up because it, it it made me think uh, it's it's made me think a little bit, um and he said something like um we've we've strayed far uh far from the original intent of the internet it, it was something like a like um and so I'm I'm th- and so yeah I I remember listening to or watching a talk by I think Tim Berners Lee. And he was giving this, and, he, and I think one of the the, the the thesis of the talk was that um, it seemed like the we were we, the internet as we as we have today is not necessarily reflecting what the original intent of its creators <laughs> of the people at the very beginning, and and so I sort of view the the metaverse or internet 3.0 that we're creating that we're a part of. Um, and we're creating this intent to like help, um, you know, just provide value all around positivity all around, um, you know, what lessons have we learned or are we learning about today's, um, progress of technology, you know, about like how, how things went wrong for the internet that we can prevent later on for the quote unquote metaverse. Well, the nice thing about VR, I mean, one of the issues I think with the internet is it's very inhuman in some sense. When you're communicating on a, a chat room or a messaging or through even through Facebook posts, you're you're kind of you don't see the humanity in the other person necessarily responding. I, I often think that it would be a great idea if you could only respond in video, because when you're talking, when you actually see another human being, you can see that their emotions, you can see their expressions, and and it's amazing how much that conveys in, in someone's conversation. Like you know, once you understand where somebody's coming from, you kind of empathize with them. And VR potentially has the ability to kind of, you know, if we have hyper-realistic avatars that reflect our kind of our emotions, you know, that, that helps kind of humanize the conversation uh, that might occur in this internet 3.0. So that's certainly a benefit. Uh, I think the more input, so to speak, into the system, 
and that it isn't just fingers typing on a keyboard and clicking. I, I think that that will help humanize it a little bit more, and and that's something to look forward to. I think um, uh, you know having natural kind of discussions and, and maybe it's ghost discussions of people that have already you know lit, left their, their their conversation imprint in some sort of virtual chat room and you can view that ghost discussion their response and but then you at least will see them emote you'll see them kind of you know convey their emotion and what they're actually trying to say and even if you don't agree with it perhaps through that you can kind of you know you can kind of relate on some level uh, as a human to human kind of thing and so there's that uh, in my opinion there, there's something great to look forward to in that regard yeah, I can tell. I can see a business being turned out of um, people recording their loved ones in yep. the virtual world, so that I can come back and relive that moment where me and my grandmother were giving each other a hug in virtual reality. Like, yep. like, yeah, that's yeah. You know, it's just I, I was just thinking about it. Like, I I haven't seen my grandparents in a few months, and then I I went on video chat like, and I saw them, and I got. I got scared, dude. Holy crap. I was like, oh, my God, mortality. <laughs> it's staring me right in the face right now. They're yeah. like, because you can, I, I don't know, it just, they just age. They're aging so much faster than I, you know, than I can keep up. It's weird. Holy crap. And, and, and just adding, and adding that extra layer of, like, where I can embrace them, where we can have this, like, volumetric space to interact yeah. with each other, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I totally, I, I'm totally on that, on that, on board with that. Um, then, of course, not to bring up the the devil's advocate here, but then you have the unfortunate opposite end of the spectrum, where you have you're you're witnessing hyper realistic, horrible things in VR, mm. and and the influences that could potentially have. And again, this really just comes back to we need to make sure people don't put themselves in those situations. Don't. I mean, certainly, it's important to be aware of the horrible things that happen in the world and. I think some exposure to that is important so you can kind of, you know, be uh, kind of prep your mind and, and, and co comprehend and develop empathy. But there's just some limit. And, you know, the concern is, you know, visualizing things hyper realistically and desensitizing is, is the big concern. And so, you know, it really comes back to making sure people know, you know, what they're what the human brain wants you know what it can support in terms of you know without making you go insane and and make sure people don't expose themselves too much to the horrible things that could potentially be created in the future um so it's all about finding that balance yeah uh, yeah this is interesting because it, just just to head it a little further into this black mirror direction before we pivot into another more positive enlightening direction but like i was thinking about like Think about all the people that are suing Facebook right now because they've been staring at like uh, they spend twelve eight hours a day staring at like the most gruesome horrible shit that humanity has can, can right. upload to yeah. Facebook. Right? Imagine what it will look like you know ten fifteen years from now when those people not not only do they have to like stare at those images they have to be immersed in those experiences that people will all of a sudden be be empowered to like create and do all sorts of like i wonder if that will have a greater impact will, will, on 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 those people's mental capabilities than than what what we're viewing today you know because yeah i, yeah, yeah. I suspect so uh, it's just it's such a richer input system right it's like fully utilizing your your brain's ability to process image and, and and audio data and and it's just such a richer set of inputs that are going into your brain so to speak and that those inputs have far reaching uh, bigger uh, connection, so to speak, to different parts of your brain than maybe just text would appear on screen. So I, unfortunately, yeah, you know, hopefully machine learning will, will optimize that and, and, and automate a lot of that so we don't have to have humans actually do that. But 
um, yeah, it's it's certainly it's it's definitely a, t- a 10x multiplier in terms of what they're experiencing today. Th- those type of people who are doing that type of work uh, with VR it would be a 10x at least in terms of just the visceralness of what they're experiencing. Yeah, I'm going to be spending um, a moment with Mel Slater with Virtual Body Works tomorrow at a, after an MIT class visit that he's doing, and Mel is working on. He's like the chief scientific officer and co-founder of Virtual Body Works, and one of the pieces of research that he's working on is um, on a paper that, with the title, Offenders Become the Victim in Virtual Reality, colon, Impact of Changing Perspective in Domestic Violence. And this was uh, a paper put out and published in Nature um, this this year, and basically they, they uh, <clears throat> put a person, uh, an offender, in um, the avatar of... In this case, it's male on female violence, so they put the male and the the male offender in a female avatar, and then uh, that person gets abused by a male avatar. Um, and uh, I need to read the entire report to see all the details, but they're showing that 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 empathy can potentially have you know therapeutic and um, what do they call it? call it social rehabilitation so social rehabilitative support so their work Mel's work on virtual body works is working on social and medical rehabilitation and it's interesting um, but I, I think I think if anything it's it's great that this stuff leads with research first <laughs> yeah it's 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 powerful stuff and you know I, I just to like as a in a personal experience um, I've never catcalled anyone in my life, but like in VR chat, I'll go around and I'll wear female avatars just for fun. And there have been a couple of times where like I've gotten catcalled, like like legit catcalled, like you would hear off the street. And it's weird. It's weird because you feel like I'm not like like yeah. I know I'm a dude, but I'm like but I'm a girl in VR chat, and it's like this like like my brain sort of goes into flight and. F- fight or flight for a second and it's like and it takes me a while to realize no hold on it's not real <laughs> relax you know but it's but it's still offensive it's still weird you know like i don't know and and so and and, and just being in the shoes of of of, of someone being catcalled like that like is um you know it just makes me realize like oh yeah it's a shitty thing like it's it's shitty like i wouldn't want to do this to anyone you know just yeah. it being it's being done to me right now it's weird yeah so yeah, I, I I love these sorts of um, uh, these these sorts of projects where you're pushing VR. Because here's the thing: like everybody talks about VR being the ultimate empathy machine. Like, but like, what does that mean? Like, like let's get let's get further away from like empathy. Yes, it's empathy, but like, okay, how do we trigger empathy? Like, you know, let's let's get into the nitty gritty details. You know, right? Well, and you know, and that whole the critique. Even I forget the person that came out recently with that nice kind of incisive critique on even just the word or the concept of empathy. And they said, I think what most people are searching for is compassion. Like it's arguable that, that uh, people who torture other people have empathy. That's what makes them good at torturing. And um, it's important that, and it puts a slant on it. It's like, cool. It's one thing to know, you know, what somebody else might be feeling. It's compassion is the kind of the qualitative, you know, um, normative you know kind of suggestion that there's something else you do with that empathy once you sort of can feel it you change the way you would treat that person or change the yeah change your own behavior or 
create a different condition for that person. So, yeah. Huh. So you're saying, so I, you know, for the longest time I kept, I, I equated empathy with something positive. And so you're saying that empathy doesn't necessarily lead to a positive outcome because, you know, uh, 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 yeah, like I said, you, like you said, a torturer can feel the other person's pain. That's why they're doing this in a way, right? Like, if yeah. I get, okay. So, so, so the next step is compassion. So then how do you teach compassion using these tools? Yeah, I think that's right. And that, that's why I generally like, that's why I applaud the research because, well, not just the research, but I also think there's a lot of people being very methodical or careful, I would just say, about the way to kind of deploy these tools and the conditions upon which they deploy them. And, you know, I think, I think that stuff's really important. There's a lot of unexpected, I think, stuff. And I think the history of social experiments and social social experimentation, like, tells us to be, be careful and um, cons- considerate in, in approaching these kind of, like, new tools as, like, interventions um, in psychology. So, yeah. yeah, the other, along those lines, the other big thing is making sure everybody has access to the tools so that the initial group of people that have access to them aren't necessarily influencing things around their own worldviews. And so making sure kind of everybody has access to it is, I think, another crit- critical thing in, in ensuring that it becomes a reflection of humanity and of everybody um, as opposed to a specific set of people or a, with specific set of opinions and, and those kind of things. And that's a huge challenge, I think, um, is, is the distribution problem, making sure kind of everybody has access. And, you know, that leads me to the next question perfectly, which is, um, you know, what... What do you think it will take to make VR mainstream? Uh, a big one is going to be accessibility, platform accessibility. So you know, and and the lower cost on these on these devices. So um, number one is yeah, I think definitely as these as the prices of these devices come down, and also the the amount of rigmarole you need to to get them set up right i mean right now there's just a lot of even in the the wireless ones there's still a lot of different states that you have to kind of be aware of in order to engage this state and that state and toggle on this input system and as that becomes more natural um, that'll be a huge that'll reduce a lot of the barriers to entry for a lot of people and the cost of course but the other one is accessibility. You know, when you can just, just like the web, you go to any web page and you can access three, you can access uh, data. Um, if you can go to any, uh, any web page, so to speak, and access a virtual environment, um, that will be a big one to also kind of encourage people to kind of explore and, and try different things. And so that, that will certainly be a, a big enabler, I think, of reducing the barriers to entry and getting more people to try it and, and, uh, and embrace it. And I think as that happens, you'll see the use cases of, of like legit, enterprise use cases um and anything i think i think i think there's awesome gaming applications obviously but i think gaming can be only can only go so far as like the tip of the spear i think that humanity i feel like society will really accept it when it begins to deliver education um and i i kind of picture the rollout of the personal computer where you know mom and dad could justify buying the computer for the kid because it had educational purpose and was going to serve them um, throughout their life. Um, and so I think, I think that's really key. I, I certainly, um, I hope, I hope for that. Um, I think we're starting to see glimmers of that, but we're still quite a ways away from 
you know, we, we work with and, and t- talk with schools a lot, and, and it's really difficult for schools to figure out what to do about VR right now um, for so many reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, platforms being a big one, costs being, you know, intertwined with that. Um, but I think, yeah, especially in these early moments, schools are not great. Certain schools, like the average school, is not a, not a great early adopter. Um, and so... Um, you know, and I was thinking about that in that line. It just it just inspired a thought about like you know what if you could prove you know what if someone created a like um, uh, volumetric uh, advanced algebra calculus sort of visualizer thing, right? So that you can visualize and you can like manipulate the the, the equations in, in this in this virtual UI, this volumetric UI, and, and thereby like, uh, you know, not like I think Max was saying, like it used to be that, it, or it still is, where they just draw on the chalkboard the, the, the XY axis mm-hmm. and you just see it in, in a flat plane. And it's like, how do you visualize that? What are you even telling me? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I struggled in math like a lot because I just couldn't just I just couldn't visualize these abstract like concepts. I, it was and it was it was infuriating because I would get mad at myself because I was like, man, am I really, really this dumb? But it was like but it, it, but it but I realized that it wasn't necessarily that it was that I didn't have a correct outlet to um to, to channel my 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 sort of my learning energy towards and you know and I think that's one of the things that I like uh, I'm really great, grateful for like game engines like Unity and even Symmetry because you're all you're you not that I'm learning like math but like the logic and being able to like see things happen in front of you um, and and play with physics it's like it's so um, it feels so good. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it's weird. But what, yeah. I, but what I'm saying, uh, sorry to interrupt, but what I'm saying is like, what if there was a, a program where like this, this, this could teach uh, uh, and you could do comparative analysis between like, all right, here's a kid who's been going, uh, t- learning cl- uh, math in the classroom. And here's a kid who's been getting the supplemental like software where they're learning math in VR. And you can like notice over the months or years that, um, the kid with the VR software is doing, you know, orders of magnitude better than the ones that are just on, you know, regular uh, paper flat plane. But yeah, that was just a thought. I was like, yeah, that's what it would take, you know, if if it mm-hmm. to like turn schools in the other direction. It was just it would just be a really intensive like study. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And the other and along those lines, I, I think kids and, and, and adults, they learn in really two distinct ways. Some people like kind of studying all the, the DNA of like equations and then adding to their knowledge and then knowing how those equations create a result. But other people like myself work from results. And it sounds like you're like that too. You like to see results first and work kind of backwards and like, okay, what does it take to produce this result? And I think that um, game engines and virtual reality in general let you kind of see results. Like, oh, I, I see this result now. Now let me let me tinker and work my way backwards and see how, how do I arrive at this result. It's like you're working more from the practicality of the output as opposed to the the the, um, the philosophy of the input. And it's like I'm not working from abstract ideas and then those are producing results. I'm kind of working backwards. And I think VR in general, I think encourages you to kind of it supports those learners who kind of work in that inverse way. Kind of like I need to see the result first, and now I'm going to kind of understand the building blocks that got to that result. And I absolutely, I agree with you that as a, a way of supporting the different types of learners in school, this is the, the this could absolutely enable that um, because it's just another way to kind of support the people that kind of see the world that way. 
Yeah, I, I, quick, uh, quick shout out to CalcFlow. I love what I love their app. They did some um, some awesome math visualization, calculus, algebra stuff. Oh Calc really? Flow. Is this a VR app or is this on Android? Yeah. No, no, it's, yeah, it's a VR app. Um, oh. Yeah, they're on Steam, and it's um, and uh, I haven't checked in in a while, but um, I I'm constantly in search of the um, sort of educational content and keeping up on the state of that and hoping to really be helpful in pushing that along. Um, and I like what they did um, with CalFlow. I think there's, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more to do and a lot more like it. And, but, and, and yeah, you're right. I think we're going to find some really interesting comparisons around abilities. That certainly is going to take a little while comparing sort of the VR enabled to the otherwise and, and in all of these cases, when you're talking about educational technology, the idea of access and sort of equal access and, and kind of the, the, the roles of like social justice have to be kind of, um, you know, paid attention to. And um, and I also think that, um, you know, it's just it's very clear. I've had so many conversations like educators are hungry for this. I, I, I can I know that there's this this quiet revolution of brains um just trying to explode through into this medium um educators and you know um students and like children at heart kind of students at heart um type people who um you know even my dad he's a he's an he's an attorney uh now basically retired but he's like i was telling him what i'm doing and he's like oh could I like look at a molecule? And it was just like, this guy hasn't taken a science class in like, you know, 30 years or something, you know? And he's just like, Oh, can I hold a molecule? Oh. <laughs> or like, can I teach, you know, can I like, you, you mean you can like grab the sun and like move it around the earth? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, yeah no. people are looking for it. It, it's amazing. It's 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 um. I it reminds me of uh, Universe Sandbox. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that one. Yeah. That, one that one is so good because you can like grab galaxies and like smash them against each other, and you can like, and it feels godly. <laughs> it feels so good. You're like, whoa! Yeah. I have so much power <laughs> in my hands. It's so good. Yeah. It's just VR. Like you can be anything. It's you can be anything, yeah. and it's it's so liberating. Um, and this is why like. These engines are and these creation yeah. tools are so exciting for me. And I wonder, like, what are in the grand scheme of things? How do you see? I had a friend a while ago tell me, like, Chris, remember this forever. He's like, engines are the future. He's like, it doesn't matter which engine is like Unreal or Unity, whatever engine you pick. But he's like, engines are the future of the internet. And it stuck with me, you know. It's it it it, it has stuck with me for a while, you know, because it, it like the longer time passes the more that rings true, you know, where I feel like businesses and people are going to start migrating towards a volumetric way of thinking um, and way of viewing and interacting with things. And um, just because it's just, it's going to allow for uh, a greater ease of use and like uh, a quicker exchange, you know, I, that, that I think is going to be the biggest contribution that VR will bring <clears throat> to a lot of sectors. It's the efficiency bump. Um, imagine if you can tell like a, a business leader or an entrepreneur that like, look, you know, with this software, um, your workforce is can be 20 percent more productive, 30 percent more productive in here. Here's the studies that can prove it. Like 
that that it that would just like you know that would be it you know it would be it'd be one of those things like and and microsoft um what was it i think timony timony west a long time ago like while she was working for the hololens team came out at a talk saying that yeah you know at microsoft we proved that volumetric interfaces were 40 percent more efficient um and it's just, you know, it's just like it just left it. It just left this thought and this seed in my mind, where like, yes, this is where this is headed. You know, we're headed in that direction. And so, what I'm think, what I'm trying to ask is like, how do you, you guys see um, symmetry? What, where do you see symmetry? Symmetry's role in that, in this like grand sort of growth of the of the technology. Yeah, I, I love what you said about engines engines being the future, and I think. You know, um, we're generally humble dudes, uh, but you know, symmetry definitely um, has a has a, a claim to stake that that there is uh, um, that that the duopoly of VR engines is highly overrated um, and more um, more flim more flimsy than a lot of people think. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of there's 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 a lot of alternatives. Um, we're excited to be one of them. And, you know, I think another thing showing some really interesting promise, um, you know, com- combine it, you know, Mozilla pointing a lot of interesting ways forward. There's some exciting developments with WebAssembly for um, opening up uh, platforms for kind of applicate um, for, you know, like native native speed applications that are also, you know, web web distributable, um, which is super exciting for our engine and that's and I think combining that with potentially some, um, well, I don't, it's a can of worms, but blockchain, um, I think starts to really point at a really interesting open web, uh, open web environment for, for the engines of the future. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, so addressing the first part, the, you know, the productivity of volumetric interfaces. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, it's exciting what is happening with you know more room scale. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what Microsoft does with uh, you know what they can pull off with the combination of you know Connect and mixed reality platform. That's I think there's some really exciting stuff um, coming down the pipeline there, and uh, I'm, yeah, so I'm excited about that and being able to have. Um, a much more, you know, right now one of the challenges for like the the magic leaps of the world, um, kind of all these devices is figuring out what to do with our hands. Um, the controllers, you see, basically it's a, it's an arms race, literally, <laughs> pun intended. You know, um, in a lot of ways, and not just an arms race in some senses, but also to get down to you know full body, you know, capture in some smart way and we're a ways off from it all. But I think, you know, what do we do with our hands is kind of this important question. And, 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 uh, you know, but still like it, the other thing that we can't break away from, and we're not sure how to break away from or how much of a paradigm jump it is, is like, how do we get off the keyboard or will we, the keyboard is an incredibly efficient input device. It's so many degrees of freedom or so many like discrete inputs literally at our fingertips and you know to code i mean really it's a major jump in in artificial intelligent like agent interaction but like 
the idea, you know, so that we could like, you know, speak and have context, uh, you know, level interaction. But the idea that you're like going to do scripting or interaction design, you know, by just using your hands or talking to an AI agent um, is pretty far out. I mean, I, I get that we're getting there, even building, you know, AI, um, you know, support systems for coders. That's largely why I believe Microsoft acquired GitHub, and we see announcements about that um, of late. And that's interesting, but um, that's an interface that we're not arriving at, you know, anytime soon. But that's that starts to get really interesting. But this p- whole paradigm of, like, what, how do we work in the future is still extremely wild west at this point i think there's going to be a while here where we're going to do a combination of um of uh mixed reality headset plus keyboard i think that's going to be a a good bridge paradigm to to count on for a little while um as we increasingly get you know hands or more intuitive um you know controller systems in place and then at some point i think we may it's going to take a while to fully break away, but I think we'll break we'll break off um, from hand based input, or we'll get into some some other way that we're. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see voice plus IntelliSense for like scripting and things like that. But anyway, peering into the crystal ball, <laughs> see what you can see. Yeah, any thoughts on Madeo? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the biggest, uh, I think, things that need to always be factored in is humans are very lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think with, with a lot of these user input systems, that has to kind of be factored in. And yeah. and so always keeping that in the back of our minds as well is like, okay, what are the the, the UI systems that are going to enable people to work, especially in a, in a, in a game builder-like environment? Like, it's not just positioning objects in 3D space. It's also like, yeah, as Max was saying, scripting. And it's like connecting this property with that property. And yes, until we have... AI that has that can infer human beings' context, which is what we are, we're doing right now with code. Basically, code is like very explicitly describing context. Oh, when the user clicks on this, I want this to happen. But specifically in this case, but not in this case, you know, that's what code is essentially the sculpting language of context. And until hu- uh, computers can infer that from humans, you know, we can't escape that, unfortunately. Um, but uh, but along those lines, I think just factoring in kind of the complexity of those problems as well as the laziness aspects of humans and just like our, we don't want to our, move our hands around to interact with this complex context building kind of system. And so what are those building blocks to kind of slowly make inroads and, and kind of move it in the direction of something that's intuitive but still something very powerful that lets you kind of get down to the metal. And that's that's the big challenge right now. And it's there's no good good solution right now. But I think we're, we're slowly uncovering that. We're peeling it like onions, uh, layer by layer, um, that it's slowly getting uh, uncovered by not just us, but like everybody else who are kind of working in this field right now. Um, and it's kind of exciting at the same time to kind of figure out uh, what what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I, I having had experiences being um, the, I think, the yeah, I'm pretty much the first guy to go 100 hours in virtual reality nonstop. Um, huh, having yeah. had that experience and having uh, worked a summer um with uh, a DK2 on just editing and doing emailing with a DK2 and VR desktop for a summer. Yeah, I came to realize that like, um, yeah, like big movements sucked because if you were doing big movements repeat- repeatedly over long periods of time, like that was just wasted energy. And like at the end of the day, like I, I, I came to realize that if I wanted a productivity app in virtual reality, what I want to do is I want to lay in my couch 
with the headset on, looking up, with eye tracking, voice recognition, and track pads on my pants. This is where I can type. <laughs> I can type on my legs. I can type on my, on my, on my legs um, while I'm laying down. Um, uh-huh. And they would be the most legitimately lazy way to like work while I would have a, an IV drip of caffeine uh, going into my veins because uh, melatonin gets released while you're laying down. So I would I need to, need to counteract, counteract that. But yeah, this is how this is the future of the workplace. <laughs> As I imagine. It. <laughs> Uh, can I can I get decaf? <laughs> yes, yes, you can get any flavor. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's... I don't accept the the IV drip overlords. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. I have a question. So, how do you guys see the, uh, you know a, a, a question that I that um, just having having listened to what Max was saying, I, I came up. Um, I yeah, it, it's just how do you see the intersection of AI? And virtual reality, um, how do you see that dynamic go? Uh, what do you see that dynamic looking looking like in the ne- in the future? You know, or, or well, yeah. is AI going to become closer and closer to VR environments? And like, are we going to see AI agents? Um, like, what is it? What is that dynamic going to look like? What do you guys see? And also, yeah. in the and and and, and just sorry, <laughs> I just I just keep going. I just keep going. Um, and also, like, what does that look like for engines? You know, like, and and do you see a a vision in the future where like you would integrate AI a lot deeper into into symmetry, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the most straightforward way is procedural generated worlds. Where you know AI is being used to kind of with minimal input on the human side, you know the human just contributes the kind of vision, the overall vision, and then kind of AI goes and fills in the, the gaps, and then maybe the human subtracts that away, and whatever it's created, oh, I don't want that part, let me subtract that away. So as a way of filling a space, right? Because right now you have this empty canvas syndrome problem where you're looking at a you know a blank canvas, and I need to fill it and you can kind of do it manually, or you can kind of write little algorithms to fill it, but it would be nice to just have something that like kind of does that for you automatically just with using high-level concepts. So that's going to be a, a big one. Certainly agents uh, that kind of, you know, or give behaviors to virtual characters, that for sure um, is another way. And then the other way from a kind of DNA from the code standpoint itself, it's going to be AI that assists the, like little black boxes of, of code that lives, that are kind of AI trained that live inside the code space itself that are being used to kind of optimize for rendering out certain types of certain parts of the graphics engine and, and this and that. A lot of that can definitely be over time if you can train it. If we can, you know, boil all algorithms down to their inputs and outputs, you can kind of train all that and then kind of start to build this kind of this code base from these like kind of little trained black boxy parts that kind of produce certain results um, that are kind of that aren't easily coded at basically. And so there's there's lots of different layers where AI can be introduced really in the, in a system like this. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think of like dimensional translation, like um, or like, like for example, like um, I have a six degree of freedom controller, right? It's like it can rotate and it can move. But if I want to like turn that into a bipedal like character, or I want that to become, you know, something else that doesn't just have six degrees of freedom, like using, you know, machine learning um, as a bridge to connect six degree of freedom movement to 27 degree of freedom movement and sort of being able to pattern detect in the 
six degree of freedom, you know, data set, uh, the patterns that link up to a, you know, a, a character, particular character movement, um, or something like that. So I think of, um, I think of those kind of, um, uh, use, use cases for AI. And then obviously, you know, that's, that's six degrees of freedom on it. It's like a kind of a simple sense, but then you start using, um, audio, you know, um, spoken word, um, you know, things like that, connecting, connecting your voice, uh, your tone of voice or connecting qualities of music to visuals. I think there's, there's a lot of that stuff being done now. So it's not like necessarily unique to, to 3d or VR, but there's a lot of, um, I also think of, you know, uh, really interesting, um, sort of procedural shaders, um, as well as, um, also brain, like, neur- like the neural interface stuff, sort of, um, brain computer interface, like translating, um, EEG data into discrete, you know, outputs. I think that's a unique space for this pattern detection. Um, yeah. Nice. Procedural shaders. Let me uh, let me ask you this: What would be? I I I've, I had I have these thoughts in my head where like, why isn't there a VR Star Wars Rogue Squadron game out there already? Like, why isn't there a VR open world porn game? Like, why not? Why isn't there? And so I'm wondering, like, what do you think is there? Like, what is you? What do you think is like the ultimate killer app in your mind that you know should be out there but isn't? Mm. I mean, aside from symmetry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was going to (laughs) say, symmetry. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great Um, question. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, yeah, I'm sure, Max, you have a lot of opinions on this too, but like, you know, just more educational-based things, the kind of, you know, just this world of education, kind of like classroom, virtual classroom, of just explore and experimentation, you know, Mm. just really flushing that whole idea out. I mean, it is a huge one. Um, Or, you know, medical training. I mean, there's so many, like, and the problem is a lot of the companies right now don't want to necessarily invest a lot right now in VR because, you know, there's so many just fragmentation with the comes with all the platforms and again, and, and the kind of finicky nature of it from the wired experiences and, and the, and so, you know, the, 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 the user counts aren't as great, great enough for companies to want to invest a ton of money. Um, and so I think that's maybe why we're not seeing it. Um, but in terms of like the applications, yeah, I mean, I, I think, Aside from yeah, the Star Wars, these giant worlds, I, I totally agree with it. Like we should be seeing that by now. But I think just any kind of like deep dive on on just the conversation, the what we're talking about today, like just an educational classroom. That's just like the black, you know, that this just this whole like, you know, just way of exploring that whole concept. The, the app, the the endpoint app for that would be huge. And and just I think in a lot of these ways, all these type of applications that explore these kind of ideas. Yeah, I. I, I certainly, um, I think it is, it is going to be a lot of, there's a lot of little, um, killer apps, you know, along the way. Um, I don't have, I don't, I, I've yet to like sort of pick one that I think is, is kind of like, um, absolutely breakthrough. Um, to me, you know, when you look at like the killer app on the early, you know, apples, it was like visicalc and it was you know that was a very like but there weren't like kids 
you know, it kind of really depends. That's a very like enterprise killer app. Like that made business want to buy computers so they could do accounting and any other things you could do, um, you know, with a, with a spreadsheet. Um, and that was, that was certainly magical, very utilitarian, very kind of mundane <laughs> use case. But like what was kind of a killer app for me <laughs> uh, growing up was like Microsoft Paintbrush. Huh. Um, that was like the ultimate little like sandbox. It's like I, I graduated from Paintbrush to Photoshop, it feels like. Um, somewhere along the way was SimCity um, and Command and Conquer. But like, yeah, for me, it was like as simple as Paintbrush. Um, just giving me the ability to, um, you know, put things, control, control, uh, artistry in like a different way. And so does that quite literally mean that tilt brush is the killer app? Well, it's fascinating that, that the tilt brushes and the quills of the world have like captured as much simple attention. And for many people were the first demo that, that they put anyone in with VR. It was like. For a long time, it was Tilt Brush and Super Hot, and and what does that say? It says like two things. One, Tilt Brush like plays with 3D space, gives you like the simplest sandbox to play with 3D space, and Super Hot gives you the simplest sandbox to play with time. And those are the extra dimensions that you can like really control. I mean, we could always sort of play with time, um, but like uh, we've yet to really see whether it's like in video games or even in like actual you know video we've never really had like interactions with time like slowing down time or reversing time so it's fascinating that those t- control or those two you know dimensions have like popped up and they like you know they were like breakout like um kind of fundamental elegant success spots uh, bright lights kind of in the early in our like takeoff years here so i don't know so to me it's kind of an, it looks like that it looks like these things that are doing really elegant um, playtime. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of big budgets thrown at really big brands and big mythology things like Star Wars that'll like, um, you know, that may have the like Pokemon Go effect. I think Pokemon Go was like a absolutely like out, you know, um, outstanding. It was like a standout um, brand with standout brand affiliation and uh, um, you know wide wide audience combined with uh kind of the first ever massive multiplayer augmented reality um it's yet to be seen if we can get anything to create the same kind of traction with massive multiplayer augmented reality um so it's not sure if that was the multiplicative effect of those two or if it was the brand you know that did it but i think i think that this medium i don't think that a killer app perhaps what i'm saying is that it Criteria-wise, I don't think that a killer app is going to be based on a based on like a a, a brand or a a, a movie franchise necessarily. I think it's going to be simple. I think it's simpler than that. We may be already be looking at it. <laughs> I mean, but, one of, one of those examples is is Beat Saber. I mean, it's not it, sure. it's not like the ultimate killer app. It's amazing, and I took it to a party once, and like. Um, yeah. And like um, uh, it was uh, my my um, my girlfriend's cousin who's a teacher, so a lot of like his students came t- to this like to this to this barbecue, and like um, they were, I had I brought the, my Vive, and they were um, and and I had Beat Saber uh, set up, 
And like all of them knew what Beat Saber was, all of them. And all of them knew what Beat Saber was because they were watching YouTubers uh, play Korean yeah. pop songs on Beat Saber yeah. on their YouTube channels. Yeah. And it was like, oh, dude, yeah. this is what the kids are doing now. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Beat Saber is interesting because when you look at Beat Saber in a lot of ways, it's no, it's like inter- interaction-wise, it's not a whole lot different than like dance dance revolution or something yes like it's put the like make the physical motions at the right moment and and you win um and obviously clearly very based on like guitar hero um or that kind of model of like uh, but it's also like it's interestingly like the actual engagement um I haven't seen it. Do they ever throw the? I haven't seen this happen. But have have you ever seen them throw the blocks from different directions, mm. like forcing you to turn around or like they come from above you? No, no. They, they just, so they come to from me, one direction. since they come from one direction, it's actually kind of more like you see it three dimensionally, but it's kind of a two dimensional interface. Like you, you're slicing just in front of you. Like there's no depth necessarily to anyway. Um, but it's simple, right? It's it's really simple and lovely amadeo and i were messing around and we created what we call beat slobber um <laughs> it uses the the audio signal uh the audio peak signal in um in symmetry to detect if you're making a, a boots sound like boots boots uh or a high pitch like cats cats so you go boots and cats and boots and cats and then it emits a boot or a cat from your mouth and you have to attack the the blocks flying at you that are both boots or cats so um we'll post that at some point yes this would look great this needs this needs to be seen this is only this is only something you can do in virtual reality it's awesome awesome. beat well maybe we should call it boot slobber (laughs) yeah beat, beat slobber yeah you know what it is it's like um it's um you're the point it seems like you don't have to to be successful in VR. Like, there's still room to be creating um, fun, um, like fun, but like not overly complicated mechanics. You know, mm-hmm. totally. So, and and it seems like um, you know, like it seems like a lot of people are like, well, we need like Eve Online in virtual reality. We need like you know, uh, Star Citizen in virtual reality. Like, but like, but if you notice, like. Yeah, it's it's the more simple like Beat Saber, Audio Shield, Gorn type of games that like that have right. these like very like straightforward mechanics that yeah uh, right. that are selling the best and and it seems like um, Symmetry has a really good advantage in being able to do those sorts of experiences. Um, yeah, I think people put a lot of emphasis into like the visual character of the experience, like getting that like as opposed to the mechanics and the mechanics of like three-dimensional physics and slowing down time and changing gravity and all this it's like absolutely amazing it's such a cool thing i i'm so much more interested in the mechanics of this um world and i think you know symmetry lends itself to like so much quick mechanics play um and interaction design than necessarily like spending you know, five months building like this, uh, the like perfectly visual world. I think that 
and then and then there's a lot of really fun kind of games and um like kind of artistic experiences that can come from that um yeah yeah and ultimately i think of vr as like you know, it's not a really. It's it's all about creation. It's not about consumption necessarily. Yeah, sure, it's fun to to download someone's amazing. You know, it's a Star Wars universe kind of concept. But at the end of the day, you have your own space that you've mapped out in your own way, and you kind of want to create for it. I think that's the ultimate killer app is creating for your own space. Really, it's not necessarily consuming everybody other other people's content. We already do that all day on our phones and TV and YouTube. It's just consumption, 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 consumption. And kind of VR is really a platform that is all about creation, really. It's, 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 it's about building out your own space and, and trying out things in your space, as well as consumption as well. But, like, you know, that's, I think, the fundamental aspect of it is people want to explore the space in their room. And, like, literally the, the room, like, what if I place this thing over here and then I can interact with it and maybe it turns on a light in the real room. And all these kind of ideas, you know, it's, it's, that, I think, is really the spirit of VR. It's like you build out your own world. You build your own world. It's not about necessarily consuming other things and you know i think that, you're you're right i i think there's definitely like a lot of truth in like in in that in the spirit of that but like but what i'm what i what i'm trying to figure out is like well it seems like we are we have become habitual consumers you know it seems yeah, like absolutely. it seems like the tablet the smartphone it, it used to be like i i, I think I, I don't know someone made, made made this argument a lot better than me but it like but someone was saying that like um with keyboard and mouse like people were more were able to be producers a lot better than they are as like smartphone and tablet holders you know like they it, it seems like mm. the tablet and the smartphone yeah. are, are are easier consumption devices are more Absolutely. directed in that direction and mm-hmm. it, and it, and so what i'm noticing is like all right well like consumers are habitual ha, have been habitually um wired to 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 be this to be this way and and so and so here comes a technology that like can offer this like and and i'm coming from a, from from the point of view where like yes i'm one of those people and and i also was able to like mess around at vrtk and had this like imposter syndrome thing break like i like it just felt amazing and 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 i'll never forget that and i'm going to keep chasing that like that feeling of being able to create things in front of me out of my own imagination that's that's something that like i want to make sure more people experience but the question is is like well you know, this is like a, a wiring of the of the brain sort of thing here. Yeah, absolutely. How do we do that? Well, the good thing is things like Minecraft. You know, a lot of young kids grow up now around these more kind of you you know do it yourself style kind of world building, and so I think a lot of it might just happen might occur because people are growing up around more creative environments. On the other end, I totally agree with you. Maybe maybe not. Maybe these tablets and these things are encouraging people to consume and and not create. But then you can also look at things like Instagram. You know, that, that's a form of in, of creation when you're creating. Uh, you know, you're selecting a filter. It's it's mm. you're selecting. You're not necessarily creating. But I, again, this is where perhaps machine learning might eventually. If you all you have to do is talk to the computer and it builds out this world, maybe then that reaches the level of everyday consumers that don't necessarily have to learn. You know, more. Com- you know, learn about a, a tool and all of its nuances. It's just about talking to it. So it could be that we'll become more creative as the tools get more simplified and, and more accessible to everybody. Um, but yeah, I wonder about that too. Sometimes it's like, are we becoming more or less creative in general? And with all the content being created on YouTube, I think, Oh no, we're becoming more creative, but there's also so much more content being created that people are also consuming more than ever. So 
I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. Maybe we're about the same that we used to always be. Who knows? Yeah. It might, it might, it might, it might be. You know, the other day I was like looking at like, um, um, at vines at like, uh, at like, at like, it, you know, you remember vine, right? Like it, how mm-hmm. it's like a 15 second or f- five second sort of clip. Like seven, seven seconds, something like that. And like, um, and the thing that I, and it was like, it was supposed to, supposedly a compilation of the best vines ever. Uh-huh. And I was going through them and I realized that, holy crap, this is garbage. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. What have we become? We have strayed far from the gods here. Chris, can I ask you something? Huh. Did you did you did you find that off of a Google search or by chance did YouTube suggest the best vines of all time to you? Um, Google search, Google search. Really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I would never. I I, I know these algorithms are watching me. I train. I'm training them. I'm training them. I'm, I'm specifically only looking at like. Korkistad and like programming videos and like making sure you're only sending me ads about Udemy. <laughs> That's all I want, YouTube. <laughs> um, so were you ser- so you were searching to find vines? Yeah, uh, the best vine compilations. Because I was just like, I was just, cu- I don't know, I just had this curiosity. Yeah. I was just like, what happened to Vine? And I looked at them. Totally. And I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, right. It 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 almost made me like, oh, it, it's all right. This is weird, but like, it almost made me like. I realized I was like, is the is idiocracy really happening? Oh no! <laughs> my uh, my one of my very uh, good friends was a teacher for ten years at a uh, at a at a high school, uh, middle and high school, and he and he taught video editing or he taught video production, um, and he said that over the course of ten years, especially as like more like cell phones and Snapchat and Vines like took off it became impossible for him to teach any, like, con- concept of, you know, filmmaking with good editing with, like, a narrative or storyline because, like, the kids were just trying to out-idiot one another. Yes. <laughs> and he was, like, he was like the worse it looked, the, the worse, quote-unquote, it looked, the better. And he was, like, he's, like, it's gotten almost impossible. So, I yeah, I don't know the aesthetic, huh. but um, well, I am watching it with a, <laughs> a leery eye. <laughs> Well, this is why symmetry is important, you know, to change that, to, to bring the kids back to the keyboard paradigm and the VR paradigm where they can become creators and stop making shitty vines. Well, thank God they shut it down. <laughs> God, man. Yeah, no. And it's like, all right, well, I want to ask you guys, uh, this is the elephant in the room. People are going to wonder like, all right, Chris, Miranda, like you're, you're the pot, you're a podcast host. Like, what do you, what do you, what are you doing for a VR company? Well, if you, if you, if you didn't know me, I used to work for a VR company also. So, so this isn't new. Um, but like, yeah, I just want to make sure like, you know, people are aware that like, I am going to remain um, as objective as possible. I love the shit out of Symmetry, but I also think Unity and Unreal are awesome too, you know, and I want to make sure that like, no matter what, people are aware that I'm going to like put out the best content the mo- as, as, as honestly as I can. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to like, just get any feedback. If people feel like, um, if people feel like this is like, um, the, they have any comments or questions about symmetry, I am super excited to, um, you know, chat with you guys about, uh, about it and all that good stuff. But like people will ask, um, so, so Max, I'm a deal. Like, you know, I do Unreal. I I have some some Unity experience. Like, you know, I, I I couldn't I couldn't really get into them. Like, why should I try Symmetry now? Like, what's 
Well, uh, well, the big thing that distinguishes us is we're all about sandbox first. Uh, we really want to give you an environment to kind of play. But the most important thing is that we have the capabilities of a game development platform, kind of like a Unity or an Unreal. So the fusion of those two things is what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to give you a sandbox play- play-like world so you can explore and experiment whilst allowing you to get down to the metal if you need to. And that's super important in art, I think, is you need to be able to get down to the metal sometimes because it's what allows you to build it and make it your own. You know, there are a lot of programs out there that put you in a world and let you place objects in the world, but that's not ultimately very satisfying from an artistic standpoint because maybe I want to direct you so that you have to look through this camera at this moment in time and then maybe it switches and it plays audio at this exact moment. You know, it's all about directing, right? And if you want to convey an emotion, a lot of times you have to direct the user. And symmetry is all about that. And that's directing is really just something you find in game development tools like Unity and Unreal. They really give you all control of everything. And symmetry is about that as well. But at the same time, we want to make it sandboxy. We want to give you kind of a more fun, things just work. You know, you just click and you add the, the thing in the space and it does what you expect it to do. It has physics. You can then sculpt the terrain around it and then hit play and roll the ball down the hill. And you can make changes at playtime as well and commit those changes. So you can also see what things will look like as, you are, as you're playing. You can edit and then commit those. And, and that form of iteration of, of experimentation accelerates your ability to come up with interesting things. Um, and so really... You know, the bottom line is sandbox first design is really what we're all about and and letting you kind of edit at playtime and explore and experiment with things that just work. Awesome. Yeah. Some of the easiest people for us to, um, to really explain uh, the virtues of Symmetry 2 are those who uh, took a look at Unity um, and just didn't either saw, saw way too much that they weren't looking for or specifically just could not really find... Um, the the user interface that they were that they were looking for um, a a lot of people uh, one of the things that they love in symmetry is the timeline um, to be able to like Amadeo said direct the camera or the VR rig um, the the person that it will ultimately experience this in VR being able to move them through a space or move a space around them or move things into their view or move audio around them or shift lights and animate things around them. That timeline is super powerful and potent for a lot of people um, who maybe come from film background or uh, animation background or choreography or playwriting or um, poetry, creative writing. On our Steam page, there's a great review from um, uh, Pinkney Benedict, who's a professor of uh, creative writing and and technology at a university of Southern Illinois. And, uh, he has done tremendous stuff really quickly on, on symmetry. And, you know, he, he has tried unity, got a little way. He, he says he, you know, with most other tools, he's been either what he, the term he used was buffaloed, um, or, uh, or he doesn't, he doesn't find enough, um, or he finds too much of a, an aesthetic kind of presupposed in some of these like other, like simple game makers or, um, sandbox spaces. Um, and one of the things that he's, he's produced a handful of things, and one of them that I really love is is uh, you can catch on the show Explorer in Symmetry's Haunted Houses. You know, it's he's uh, basically had somebody read a, a poem, I think by Wadsworth, don't quote me on that, Haunted House about Haunted Houses. He moves you through a 3D model of a haunted house. Lights turn dim and flicker, and um, you're listening to this poetry, and you can kind of, you're looking around, and 
um, there's music and creaky haunted sounds and wind blowing and you can look outside to the moon and the clouds and um, and it's beautiful it's just a two minute long experience listening to an entire poem and um, he's making a number of those types of things these sort of like poem VR immersive poem journeys that are that are that are super cool so um, I think yeah for for a lot of people a timeline is something that yeah and, and, and unity has a timeline but um, honestly it's 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 uh, like super kind of uh, I don't know what's the kind word to say let's just say uh, uh, complicated <laughs> it's a little more complicated than it ought to be yeah, symmetry, it's easy to just sort of grab any property you see um, on any object, like its color, the brightness of a light, and then say, oh, I want to add that to the timeline as a new key track, and then just say, put some points along the uh, along the timeline and say, yeah, make it bright here and dim here, and then make the sun, you know, take the time of day and make it, you know, go from noon to midnight over you know these 30 seconds and make this light come on and then at that point i want to arrive at the house and then i want the narrator to begin speaking and then i want the like ghost sounds to fly by your head and you know it's just you just sort of create like that um yeah i I wonder i wonder like what do you what do you guys think is the potential of the engine for someone who's like uh you know maybe already a developer and they have some chops already and they 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 want to push the the engine like how far can the engine be pushed Pretty far, um, you know. You, it's it's kind of the DNA of the engine is it's as sophisticated, I think, as as any other engine really. I mean, it, it really allows you to do a lot. You can, you know, obviously some of that scales with the GPU and your equipment, your physical equipment, but you can really do complex worlds without a problem. Um, so, I mean, in terms of that, go nuts. And for somebody who has a little bit of programming experience, you know, Symmetry does have this uh, this Lua language uh, that you can edit right in the editor as well. So you don't have to, like, go into a separate development studio and launch a separate editor. It's all built in. So you can very quickly drag and drop items into the script and then change their properties. And Lua is a very lightweight kind of fun language. It's not typed, so it's it, there's no types. So it's a very quick and easy way to write, like, very abstract, but very quickly, basically. You can write logic in two seconds and, and see it work. Hit play and then interact with the object or make it do whatever you want it to do, and you can see it work right on the spot. So it's really satisfying to kind of be able to do it. So if you're a developer and you have already a, a, a little bit of understanding of development, you can very quickly start to be delighted, so to speak, and, and, and see what happens when you make changes through script. The other really cool thing that I forgot to mention is that one of the things that we're really, really uh, are strong, firm believers is that that symmetry needs to be able to teach you. And so symmetry has an interactive learning system in it that will actually guide you using interactive tutorials and learning how to do various things in symmetry. And one of those is scripting. And one of the things we want to start to focus on is doing more and more kind of scripting based uh, learning tutorials, because, you know, not everybody knows how to code and we, and, and yet code is still unfortunately fundamentally important uh, if you want to do more complex things. And so, just so people don't get scared away, we definitely want to like support those people as well who don't who don't know how to code. And so, one of the things that we're we're really excited to to do is to start to to to, to introduce that a bit more and, and and guide people into learning what code is and, and how to use code in Symmetry, uh, skills that would apply to any other platform for that matter. Um, and so, yeah, um, a, a person who knows a bit more can certainly start to do more complex things quicker, but. You know, we're all about uh, catching everybody um, and, and supporting everybody. And interactive learning uh, is one way that we're going to be, that we are addressing people that are less familiar with that kind of stuff. 
Awesome. And it seems like uh, Discord is going to be a good place for people to go um, to get more info on um, if they if they so choose to find more info on, yeah, where to get these tutorials. Also, there's a YouTube channel. There's there's a lot of places. But, you know, before we get to that, like, you know, I want to I want to I want to ask a couple other questions like, um, yeah, what is the what what do you hope symmetry what do you hope symmetry to become for for people who are creators who people who get in early right now like what what do you hope the the engine will become for them to them as time goes on we want it to become you know the sandbox the the experimentation platform the the thing that you choose when you want to build something quickly and 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 delight your friends or or share with other people um but to that end, we actually are looking at the community to kind of help us define what that, that direction might be. You know, one of the cool things is that we're a tiny team. We're two people. And so it's – or three people with Chris and, 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 and additional people on the, on the side and a and very, very small team basically. And so it's so easy to kind of directly interact with us right now. It's like, hey, if something doesn't work, let us know. If there's a feature you want, let us know, you know. So right now we – you know, we're kind of looking to the community to help define a little bit about that. Um, but the ultimate, the spirit of the app is this sandbox concept, this kind of idea of enabling more people to be creative and build things out. And that's kind of the, the, the underlying kind of direction where it's going. But, you know, it, I think a lot of that is still up for, for decision, depending on what, what, users, what the users say, basically, or what they, how they use it, which is always fun to see what people end up doing with it. Because sometimes they, they do stuff they don't expect. And, and that's very gratifying to, when somebody comes up with some very creative use of of a tool and you're like, Oh, I didn't expect it. It wasn't built for that. But, um, I think we're, we're eager to see, you know, what people, what people make. I think there's a, yeah, I think there's a, there's kind of an assumption that the idea of the people that, that like creators must inherently be, uh, developers that they have to, um, that there's that VR, can't be made if you don't like uh, if you're not a dedicated um, developer, and um, I think there's important truth to the to the to the need of of some scripting for interaction's sake. But I think that there is a whole um, wave of and kind of class of creator that uh, is like a little more coding light that is a little bit more. You know, not necessarily coding zero, but um, is you know isn't a develop is is not coding first is coding second. Um, they might be a scientist first. They might be an educator first, a student first, an artist first. Uh, um, and I think symmetry is a great place uh, for people who whose ideas are driven for, from that thing that they are first and is empowered by like um, scripting second. So I think there's um, I see symmetry as being a, a place that can host that community of artists and scientists and sort of these artist hackers, scientist hackers, um, you know, people who are experimenting with this medium uh, in a way uh, and kind of in, in, empowering this this sort of long tail wave of people who um, you know want to use you know scripting but have these other these other full time or these other like larger aspirations, these other larger motivations or not larger but more predominant so awesome well i want to start bringing things down to a close and and i have two last questions to ask you guys um the the 
before I ask you my last question, the next question is, um, so this podcast, one of the reasons why I, I do it is because I have this, you know, it started out of a question that I had, which is, which was, you know, I, I told, I asked myself when I first started, like uh, uh, five years ago, like, Chris, 20 years from now, what are people going to think? You know, what, what are people going to want? Like, what are they going to wonder that what that we were thinking? Like, you know, 20 years from now, like in 2050, uh, you know, people are going to wonder, like, you know, those people at the beginning of VR, what were they thinking? And so my and so and so this leads to sort of like um, my my next question, which is um, in the year 2038, you're going to get an email from me. <laughs> and it's going to say, hey, here's a message from you to the future. Here's, here's that message you, you sent to yourself. So, so, Max Amadeo, what I want you to do is I want you to send yourself a message to the future, to the 20 years from now. Um, what would you say to yourself in, uh, in the, the Max that's going to be uh, in 2038 listening to, to, to what you're about to say? Well, hopefully not. What were you thinking? But more like, <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. What would I want to say to myself? In the, like, what, what, what kind of thing would I want? Um, I don't know, Max. What, what do you think? <laughs> this is a hard question. It's funny because I usually both thought about it the other way. Like, what would I say to me 20 years ago? Or what would 20 years from now me say to me today? What would I say to me... I'd say, hey, man, uh, I'm really trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be a funny hey, email. <laughs> I, don't, I definitely don't know as much as you know now, but uh, I'm giving it a shot, I guess. Um, like, uh, hey, en- enjoy that retirement. Safe, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me let me get, get let me think about it just for a couple more seconds here. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a fun question. Yeah. yeah. I hope it was worth it. I hope you know putting in all that effort uh, into the into this platform was worth it. You know, I think there is a, a part of you that's always like, okay, I hope the future me is satisfied that you know this this is all piping in a in a direction that's consistent. You know, I don't think we want to find ourselves in some diversion in life where we've spent a lot of time in some dead end pathway. We, we want to ensure that, you know, what we do is, is always moving forward and, and, and it's always additive in our lives. So I hope that the future of me looks back and says, Oh, it was all wonderfully additive. And, and, um, and so I guess that's, you know, that, that's to the extent, I, I guess it's like along the lines of just in, ensuring that things went in the direction that they were initially intended and, and, uh, and presupposing that. Awesome. I would tell myself to, uh, so I'd be 56 in 20 years. I'd say, don't get lazy. Don't ever settle. Stay hungry. Hmm. That was mistaken. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, what's that, that, that motto? It's like live every day like uh, it's your last. Learn like you'll live forever. Hey, Chris, can I turn that around on you now and ask you to answer that question? <laughs> yeah, no, I would say, I say, don't fuck it up, all right? <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you're doing, right. don't fuck it up. 
That's my <laughs> message. Um, guys, so the last question, I guess, is just I just want to leave the, the, the floor to you guys. You know, what is what are your last comments before we bring things to a close? And I'm excited to have you back on the podcast in a few months or not. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so so it's not the last comments. It's the it's the last comments for this show. Um, so, yeah. What do you guys want to leave the audience with? Um, anything, anything you like? Uh, we're, 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 as I kind of mentioned before, we're all about, you know, working with everybody, with community, basically. We're all about, you know, listening to what people want. We're very, we're very approachable. Like we're easy to, to email, to send us emails or reach us on steam. You know, it's all about uh, working together really. And, 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 and building the tool that people want to use. And so, you know, that's, that's the big spirit with me. It's like, it's all about connect with us and, and we'll, we'll connect right back with you guys. Um, so that's, that's my big you know, it, it's it's all about fostering a community, and, and how can we can we assist that as best we can? Yeah, I I second that. We we're very um, we're very responsive. I feel like we've in a lot of ways symmetry has been in in stealth mode, getting to a place of um, you know really strong usability um, and creativity. We've fostered a a lot of initial. I think of them really like beta users um, since um, the few months while we've had uh, early release on Steam. Um, and we're really looking to kind of open up a new season of engaging with um, a lot of uh, users and experimenters. We're always happy to, um, we're always happy to take, you know, feature requests and get into that kind of conversation, um, give tours and demos and also help, help people figure out how they, you know, want to create it, like how they want to create something in VR. That's one of the things we've, we did with, you know, various users where they're like, Hey, like, can you teach me how to do X, Y, or Z? And we love that. We're like, sure. Like that'll be our next, the next tutorials we focus on. Um, and, uh, we're hungry for that, that kind of interaction and the platform and where it heads is, um, is you know it's it's malleable to a degree you know um there's uh yeah it's like ready for people to kind of embrace it and say you know so we invite kind of that co-ownership that sort of like hey what if this thing you know if people want to kind of dream with us of you know where this thing should be and what it should do and um how it should work we extremely we very much are eager to invite that and uh yeah we we're excited to grow with people and go on a journey Yes, and an awesome opportunity to do that is going to be over the course of the next month. It seems like uh, so. Yeah, it's, it seems like Max and Amadeo will be doing some live streams um, to yeah, teach people. Yeah, how to make thirty VR. days yes. of symmetry. We're going to do a, a thirty days of symmetry live streaming every day. Each day, a different um, educational micro project that'll be something like uh, you know build a short a short immersive poem in VR or. Um, create a really quick puzzle game in VR, um, you know, and uh, yeah, we'll show you exactly how to do those things um, and teach you a little bit um, of, you know, the, the Lua scripting that can enable that and the other tools like the timeline and, and whatnot. Um, and you should be able to probably find one. I'm imagining that people that are interested that have that'll look at the 30 day lineup and say, oh, that's that sounds like my project. So um yeah we're excited uh we're gonna do 30 days and who knows if we've got stamina maybe we'll do another 30 (laughs) (laughs) awesome and how can people stay in touch and follow up with all things you're doing these days yeah you can reach out to us directly you know by email i'm 
Max M A X at symmetry S I M M E T R I dot com and Amadeo A M E D E O at symmetry dot com. Um, you can also hit us up on any of the social media platforms. Um, and then for people who you know are interested in going deeper, we've got um you know a Discord community um, that's just getting you know kind of kicked off and um, the first first breath of life going into that in uh, this week in the coming week. And uh, and if you go to our Steam page uh, for Symmetry um, <clears throat> as well, uh, we're very responsive to everything on the discussions. Um, and so, if you've got you know questions and stuff there, that's another place to to find us. So, and obligatory, explanatory. It's Symmetry S I M M E T R I. Um, I know the, the, that that word has like you know a lot of different potential ways of being spelled. So, um, if you do search for us on Google, just make, remember it's it's eyes instead of Y's, basically. So if you, yeah, um, to find this, it's probably our, yeah. I hate having to mention that, but it's like, you know, misnomers, like those misspellings on those like proper names is always, can always be tricky. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely yeah. correct. And I will be sure to add all the links and uh, the relevant notes in the show notes. Uh, Max and Amadeo, I have conclusively concluded that you gentlemen are uh, scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on the show. I can't wait thanks to, uh, yeah, do this again. And um, it's going to be an awesome journey. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited too. Thanks, Chris. It's an honor. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely.